Hello, and welcome to the Central Connecticut Intergroup Podcast. My name is Christina, and I'm an alcoholic, and I'm yelling. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Eddie, and I'm an alcoholic. And we have with us... Hi, I'm uh, Alex, and I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) He's an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) I promise. Um, Let's start with the serenity prayer. God. 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 Grant me the serenity to to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And just a reminder, the, this podcast is brought to you by Central Connecticut Intergroup. If you're interested in becoming a part of the Intergroup or getting involved in service, you can check out our website at ccti-aa.org. Um, and I'll remind you again at the end of this. <laughs> we have plenty of service commits, commitments that we are looking to fill, so please go there and let us know. Okay. And now we're going to start with um, Alex. Alex, why don't you qualify yourself for us? <clears throat> Sure, yeah. Uh, Again, my name is Alex. I'm an alcoholic. Um, And, um, you know, I didn't always know that for sure. Um, I think think in my... I was thinking about this the other day um, because I was thinking about doing this podcast, so it's it's like impossible not to think about what you're going to say. And um, I was thinking about it. I was like, man, you know, like I think in my teens and like early 20s, like I was not... In my mind, man, I was not an alcoholic, and I wanted to be anything but an alcoholic. Um, I definitely was an alcoholic in my teens and early 20s, um, and, but I just denied it, like, completely. Like, it's not this, you know, and I think part of that was, like, every, you know, everyone I kind of hung around with, you know, was drinking like me. And it was very, you know, it was really easy to kind of blend into everyone drinking and partying like I was, at, you know, at that age, probably from, like, 16 to you know, 15 to, to, you know, 25, we'll say, you know. Um, and then, you know, mid-20s, um, I had graduated college and um, had a great time in college. And, uh, you know, everyone parties in college that I hung out with. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was, I mean, you drink, you drink all night, close the bar down, and then you stagger into class in the morning. You try your best to get the, you know, to get on to register for classes as early as you can, so you can get the afternoon classes because those seven a.m. classes are, are really tough when, when you drink like me. But um, yeah, you know, it was a big party and we got through it. And then I remember getting out of college and you know moving back to my home city. I'm originally from uh, Rochester, New York. You guys know, um, up in Western New York. <clears throat> and um, I kind of just tried to start, you know, tried to start my life. I got married and, and um, bought a house and, you know, I was still partying and I could still start to find those people that partied like me in my later 20s, you know what I mean? But I, I think at that time in my life, you know what I mean? I, I was starting to get the idea that I was an alcoholic for sure. I'd had some stints in AA. I had come in, I had gone to like an outpatient rehab <clears throat> in my, you know, in my later teens, Um I had I had a DWI and I was fighting another one. You know what I mean? And um, sounds completely normal, right? Exactly. <laughs> it sounds completely normal. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of stuff that I, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I I, I couldn't look at it though, right? And, mm-hmm. and when the consequences started coming and and, and I kind of wasn't growing out of that. You know what I mean? And um, you know, no really major. I mean, the biggest consequence for me was, you know, I want to say like external consequence was the DWI, but I never lost a job directly as a result of drinking. You know what I mean? I was able to kind of skate around that stuff, but I could feel it coming. Um, you know, and, um, yeah, so, so that, you know, my later twenties, you know, like for those five years were tough because I, I had an idea. I had learned a little bit about alcoholism from coming to AA meetings and I knew, I, I knew that I had it, man. <laughs> and I just denied it so bad. Like, I didn't want to have it because I loved alcohol. Yep. It opened, th- you know, and I loved it since I f- really first tried it. And, it. and it had its effect on me where I was this nervous kid um, that would wear a mask around other people. Not like a COVID mask, right? Like but like a spirit, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. like a personality yeah, mask. Yeah. Blend in like a chameleon and you have your own thing. You're not being like your true authentic self. Exactly. Yeah. And so you had, it's very similar. You probably had every group of friends. And I hear that 
in yeah. AA all the time. I could rotate through people, rotate through every group of friends. I'm like, who do you want me to be? Who, who do you, you want, want me to be? As yeah. long as you don't ask me who I am, <laughs> that's right. we're that's good. Right. I'll insert here, insert there. No one ever, I can friends with everyone, yet nobody really knows me. Absolutely. Because I don't want anyone to know me. Yeah, because something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I just have this inward sense that I'm not good. You know what I mean? And, um, I never heard that from other people. And when I came into AA, I, w- I would hear those things. So I started to identify immediately with that stuff. Um, you know, so when I, you know, when I came in, uh, finally kind of, you know, I had wound up in Connecticut um, because uh, I had left a job in New York and, and I was, you know, really getting into some dry goods, some outside issues, pretty heavy. and. I was trying to get away from like people, you know, and I was like, this is going to take me down a road that's going to kill me. And um, at that time in my life, anyway, I was divorced. I was losing a house in New York and, you know, it was just so dark and I, you know, I knew it was a problem. I just couldn't stop. I'd make these resolutions and this is in my, you know, probably 28, 29 years old. I would go and I would drink and go on these benders and uh, show up still, you know, drunk from the night before to work. And I mean, you know, you guys know I'm, I'm an ICU nurse and I would show up, ha- you know, still hammered. I mean, you stop drinking at four in the morning, you show up for a shift at 7 a.m. You're still you're, you're still got a buzz on, you know, and, you know, I remember shaking at work and all that stuff. So I, I just I knew it was a problem and I knew I had to stop and I kept trying to stop and I would make the firm resolutions and everything like that. And uh, and I would just, you know, a couple days would go by and I'd say, all right, I can handle it different this time. Or my favorite one is screw it. I'm so stressed right now. This 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 pressure inside my chest is getting so heavy from just doing normal stuff like going to work, having to deal with family, having to deal with people, having to deal with my eyes being open. Mm-hmm. I it would get so heavy that I had to drink, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know I, I didn't know how to live. You know what I mean? Um, and that's how I ended up in Connecticut. I was doing a, a, a geographic cure, and. Um, no matter how much you move, it still follows you. <laughs> you know, those, I'm guilty. The I'm G- still here. Exactly. <laughs> I moved several times all over the place, and somehow I still brought all my problems with me. You know what I mean? I, yeah. <laughs> it was me. She was one of the problems. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, I mean, we, I joined the geographic cure so much. I mean, Vegas to Arizona to New Mexico to Colorado. To Connecticut, to Arizona, to Connecticut, everywhere. And somehow I just brought all my problems with me. You know, and even in, I was joking, there was a stretch of 18, we did this, I did the math the other day, it was 18, in 18 years I moved 22 times. That's crazy. That's nuts. I never How do you get leases like that? You break them, I guess. Six months lease, break wow. lease, and I could never stay anywhere for the same reason. Like I couldn't do it like I just had to move whether it was in the same town or same something yeah. like it's I, I just got to keep moving if I keep moving it will never catch me you know yeah. what I mean and I, yeah. I was fortunate I never got a DWI I never got any of that stuff but I clearly wasn't comfortable you know what I mean and for me it was just the party never stopped I wore out my welcome in so many different places I'd get roommates I got a roommate with my best friend until we really lived together and I burned that and yeah. <laughs> in three months because he couldn't take me from drinking and just like a pure <laughs> asshole I was you know what I mean and like I said you surround people and it's just crazy yeah and it's um wild like where we're at now you know blows my mind yeah you know just to button up the rest of the experience just to kind of button hook it and then I, I can be you know it, you know I, I wound up in Connecticut and you know everything got so dark like you were talking about that moving around running away like running and it's just catch it's on your back you know what I mean it was on mm-hmm. my back I couldn't get rid of it and I would take every week and I'd swear off and then three days would go by I make resolutions I'm gonna go back to school I'm gonna go and I'm gonna you know we were just talking about this before you know before um the podcast is I, you know, I've wanted to go back to school for 10 years, you know what I mean? And that's like, you know, it's crazy. But I would make these resolutions. I'd get, you know, I'd save some money. I'd pay off my debts. I would say, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to do these things. And I really mean it. And then I, you know, so I didn't know what to do. And I remember being an AA before. And I remember a sense of ease and comfort and identification with other people. So I walked into a meeting that I, you know, and I raised my hand in Connecticut. It just happened to be where I was on this travel nursing contract. And, um... I said, I need help. I have three days sober, and uh, I, you know, I need help. Is anyone going to fellowship after the meeting? 
And I said that because I was so afraid to be alone, man. Like me by myself in early recovery, I was not safe. I, mm-hmm. I was my head was a constant battle zone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's gotten so much better. You know, through through the years. Um, but you know that first that first kind of desperate time in the beginning is a special time, you know, where I think the fellowship of AA saved saved my life before I was able to get into the steps before I was able to get, you know, a spiritual awakening. Kind of just having people around me that weren't drinking that identified with how I feel, like no one ever has, right? Like people don't identify, you know, <laughs> with us unless they're really like it. You know what I mean? So. Um, you know, that saved me long enough, I think, thank God, to get me, to, to get me kind of rooted in the steps, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I never left, you know. Now I'm here. I'm in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that you said the fellowship because I feel like in times like these, like it would changed a little. But, like, it's so crazy because it has been so important to me, the fellowship. Like, I need to connect with people. I need to have that, like, community around me who's doing the same thing, connecting with me in the same way. And. It's funny because my first experience with you was Eddie fellowshipping with you after I'd gone away to rehab and, you know, we both were going to get divorced and, but then it forced him into going into AA and like you guys were just chit-chatting and having a good time and I'm like, oh, like, Eddie's found some friends. (laughs) Still haven't bought that pool I was talking about. (laughs) No, yeah, no, no, but it's the truth though, it's the fellowship. Like for me, when I first came in, the fellowship saved my life. You know what I mean? Because without the fellowship, I don't. I said before, you really get in the steps, you get all that hard work. Like I need to have that sense of belonging, mm-hmm. and I need to have that sense of like other people aren't like me, and I can fit in here, and I don't have to wear multiple masks, and I can just be myself. It took time to learn that, yeah. And it took time for me to learn that people like when I'm my authentic self. But mm-hmm. it's like I don't know what I do without the fellowship. Yeah, sometimes you just feel like an alien in that spot, and you're mm-hmm. you know like you're just. Your head's a balloon. Exactly. It's a wild feeling. I'm going to do like a little thing that shows myself. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I said too much. (laughs) (laughs) They've gotten a peek in the window. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, and it's it's been... um, you know, it's been good. I I did get into the steps. Um, I went through a couple sponsors. I had a tough... You know, I, so I relapsed a couple times earlier in recovery. I made it with like three months. And, and I mean, I'd like to say that I was like doing everything in those, you know, it was like three months drink, three months drink, two months drink. Mm-hmm. But I think because I had been in AA before and I had gone through the steps before and like earlier in my life and uh, had some sobriety that I knew that what we kind of have today, like the freedom and the, the serenity and stuff that we can get when we you know, when we, when we develop a relationship with a higher power and, you know, um, we do a good inventory, all that stuff. Like I, I knew that that was possible. So when I came into AA, I was like, bet, I know exactly what, this is going to fix it. I got it. I got it under control. The problem is, as I said, I, yes. you know what I mean? I was right. Me too. I did the same thing. That's why when you just said, it's like, yep. Yeah. It's hard to like <laughs> say what I mean, but you get it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I was doing good and I relapsed so many times and it took me relapsing three times in a year to like come into AA like hopeless again. Like I didn't even have hope AA was going to work. I had lost all hope. I was like, look, I'm doing it. I got a sponsor. Yeah, I'm banging these girls over here and I'm, you know, gambling. You know, I'm doing all this really dirty, shady stuff and, you know, not really praying that much. But, you know, so I thought that what I was doing was going to be enough. I thought that it was going to work the way I was doing it. And when I realized, I was like, damn. Somebody told me, because I was struggling with this, and I remember the time I was, in, I was in, outside of Modern Pizza in the parking lot after a meeting with some guys. And this kid in my car, he was a newcomer, man. It was awesome. And I mean, I was a newcomer. Well, we were like both newcomers, you know, and he said to me, um, you know, I had it all planned. I was like going to have my spiritual experience on my fifth step. Like that was it because that's how it happened the first time, you know. And he was like, he says, that was 10 years ago. Why do you think you were a different person today? Why would you think that your experience through the steps this time would be at anything like the first time? And it blew my mind because I realized that I can have an all a brand new experience you know, with, with these steps and with, and with my higher power. 
And maybe two weeks later, I got a new sponsor, and I told him the same issues I was telling this kid that, oh, I think I, you know, I think it's going to work, and I know this, I know too much about the book, and he says, why don't you say the set-aside prayer? Mm -hmm. And I'd never heard that. And I swear to you, all the quotes of the big book and the traditions and all the stuff that I used to just spit out in meetings to make myself look like I, you know, like, like, hey, man, like, I, I got this. under control. You know what I mean? And, you know, don't even I got this for you here. <laughs> <laughs> said, I know just the quotes for the just dangle in front gems, of you. you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> You're struggling oh my god just so much ego you know and in me and and that and i said that said and i swear to you i can't quote anything maybe i have brain damage but i can't anymore i cannot quote the stuff i used to know you know what i mean and i'm like so i said that set aside prayer which is god please you know and i'll paraphrase is god please help me to set aside everything i think i know and i made a very much about AA. I said, I think i know about alcoholics anonymous and recovery so that i may have a new experience you know what i mean and it's been a new experience, you I'm know. I'm pumped and right now. You're pumped? <laughs> it's the same thing. And my spot, well, it was my Vegas sponsor at the time, had me do the set-aside prayer. And then I would pray for him, Did God, please help me realize I know nothing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything. Because I get, like, people try and tell me to do things, and I'd be like, I know. Like, I, I got sober in Vegas where they do real shit. Yeah, like, right. like, my home group had, like, 200 people. It was so ego. Like, yeah, and I didn't right. realize, oh, Bob Darrell sponsorship. Blah, 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 I was the uh, GSR of the <laughs> Rochester group, yeah, excuse me. You know, you know? <laughs> don't you know who I am? I don't yeah, have consistent and, sobriety, yeah. but I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny, our, e our egos, and that's, I mean... Yep, I know mine is huge. You know, I know that I struggle. That's probably one of the biggest struggles that I have later in sobriety is is, is so humility. Years old. Absolutely. Get out, Get out of here. Here. That's why you said the, the ego comes and goes. Like I said, it's humility. Sometimes is still a tough drink to get down. You know what I mean? It's like my ego can still just run. If I let it run unchecked, it it'll run. It'll run. If I don't go to meetings, if I don't pray, if I don't talk to people, I'll say, you know, my ego is poof, yep. off and running again. Yeah. And it's just. It, ste okay. it stems so many things for me. Like I was talking to, I don't remember if I was talking to you on the phone when I was leaving work or I was talking to someone in, in the fellowship and I was walking to my truck and I had this conversation. It's like, if I could just, <laughs> I, it's messed up what I was thinking about, but like I, the times that I've done like MDMA and like, <laughs> like that just annihilates your ego. Like everything's okay. You can spit in my face and I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> but like how, how amazing it would be to have a level of humility in my life to where because I mean from my ego I've realized through working these steps that like stems my resentments stems my fears mm -hmm. you know what I mean and these things used to run my life right and they still do sometimes you know what I mean I'd be a liar if I said a day-to-day -day, a fear doesn't start to run my life it does mm -hmm. and I'm not always the fastest to give it over I mean you know this man I struggle with this year this past year alone you know, I've struggled with, you know, a couple of different fears that it took me enough prayer and enough, I think, enough willingness to be able to give it over. You know what I mean? Because I hold on to stuff sometimes. You know, I want to feel that pain sometimes. Um, I hope that I can get better at letting it go. I think, you know, I, I hear other people say that it gets better with time and, and practice. But um, some stuff, I, you know, it, it gets, it's hard. You know? yeah. so, One of the things I've noticed that you do, though, is like you talk a lot about it when you're, you're very willing to share about not turning stuff over. It's when we talk a lot too, which helps, but like we'll talk about your fears and stuff. And you and I have had great conversation about fears, this, that, and like it makes it so relatable. And you and I get it. It's just a matter of being able to turn it over. But like I think a huge fact is that you're just willing to talk about it. And it's good to hear. Like there's a lot of people saying that you, you said stuff that I've certainly need to hear. And that's launched a conversation between us because I struggle with the same fears. Yeah. But my ego's like, well, I can't let people know I'm struggling too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the more you share, the more connections you make with people. And I feel like sometimes just getting that out, even if you're not willing to turn, that's a form of turning it over. Is Big it, time. You, you know what I mean? Because at least you're getting it out. Yeah. Getting it out and just vocalizing it's sometimes just huge. Everything that I've come across like this year, Last year, it was last year I had the, you know, the scare with my health. You guys mm -hmm. knew about it. I was going back and forth to Rochester to the, to the docks. And that was a big one. I mean, I bought that, you know, this exercise bike and I put myself on like the most stringent diet that you could imagine. Like unbelievably, like no salt, just no salt. <laughs> and and I, I, like, I, mean, I might as well have had a scale, in my, you know what I mean, in my kitchen. And I was working full time, burning the candle at both ends and I, and 
I mean, you watch that. I was having panic attacks because I would not relinquish control over something I have no control over. And it took a lot of pain in that to give that. It was probably one of the biggest things I've had to give over this, you know, this, you know, fear that's come up in sobriety that I've been mm -hmm. able to give over. So I know, like, from my experience thus far is that, like, what I can say looking back is that, like, when things have come up in my life, scary things, you know, resentment, you know, all these things, like big, big, big things. I didn't give them over immediately, but I eventually did. And then I got through it. And now it's, and now I have this reliance on my higher powers even a little bit stronger. You know what I mean? Um, I'm just stubborn, I think, with a lot of stuff, you know? <laughs> no. But, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I know. You know? Headstrong. You know what I mean? It's tough. And sometimes it takes, for me, pain is the motivator. I don't know why, because I still get these things where I turn, I turn everything I can over and I continue to try to know that I have to turn it over but stuff creeps up and I one thing is I said my ego gets away thinking like you can handle it you can handle it you can handle it and then I gotta take the beating take the beating take the beating and I'm like okay I give up <laughs> take it alright I can't do it like, and then you know, I call my sponsor exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah. I have failed and then I have to call and be like okay I just can't do it and I have to turn that stuff over yeah, yeah. I, I was talking to J oh I'm sorry go on oh yeah. no Eddie's gonna make fun of me because of my question. I was saying, what has, what is your experience with step three? My <laughs> we're talking with step about, three. Yeah, yeah, we joked about like, <laughs> my favorite question to ask. But you're talking about turning it over, and I'm like, so what does your higher power look like? I love to get talk about higher powers. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, step three is it's. I'm not. I'm not the best at it. Like I take my will back all the time. Right. I say the third step prayer most every morning, mm -hmm. as like a. I, like a, it's it's like a ritual, my prayer ritual, I guess you call it, is, yep. is the third step in the seventh step prayer. And then I say the serenity prayer throughout the day. But the third step, really, for me, it was a tough, it was a stumbling. I don't know, and I hear a lot of people struggle with it, and I did equally the same way. As, you know, I took it so literal that I was like, I was like, well, what does this even mean? And I was so scared to drink again and not get this thing right. I spent a lot of my... You know, steps one, two, three, I, I was trying to figure it out, I think. I was trying to figure it out like, a, like an equation or like a new job so I could figure out what I need to do to be best at it. You know what I mean? And, like, I got up to step three, and that was not going to help me <laughs> because that trying to master and try and figure it out just didn't work. I had to, you know, and that looked like, okay, well, am I supposed to take this job or that job? Am I supposed to do this or that? Am I supposed to eat, a, you know, tuna fish or peanut butter and jelly for, for lunch? Am I supposed, you know what I mean? Like, what's God's will for me? And, it, you know, it had to be really dumbed down for me, and it had to be, like, you know, at the time my sponsor was like, uh, you know, it's just a commitment. It's like you're not, you know, you're making a decision. You know, it says we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over. You're not doing it. You're making a decision to do it, mm -hmm. right? You can't. You know, so I think you can't just flip a switch and have it be done. It's not right. It's an ongoing thing, you know, and, and the way he put that to me was like, it's a commitment. You're making a decision to finish your steps, to go through and, and, and then finished up to step 12 and carry this message to other alcoholics. Are you willing to do that? You know, and I said, yes, you know, so like it, that's the decision for me is like, am I willing and I just made it so much different than it needed to be at the time. I just need the, you know, because I didn't know what I didn't know. And at step three, I don't know myself like I do at step seven. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't. I don't know myself yesterday like I know myself today. So I think a lot of people get kind of caught up on that. And it's, you know, it was really easy for me. It was like, just make it, you know, are, can you make a decision to finish the steps and then carry this message to another alcoholic? I, I said, yeah. that. I thought you know. that would help so many more people if they looked at it that way, because they get so caught, oh, God, like, because, yeah. you know, and it doesn't have to be, like, the white man in the, in the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> the beard. Yeah. 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 You know, like, if you're just looking at it, like, just being willing to, like, take the next step, because that's what my sponsor said, too, like, well, because I didn't know, well, what does that mean, li you know, living as God would have me, and it's like, well, do you stop at stop signs, and do you not cheat on your husband, and, like, <laughs> simple things like that can you go to this meeting you know acting as God would have you because it just seemed so complicated I was like I don't know what to do <laughs> right <laughs> and my life is so different it is amazing that the kind of like how could we know right like yeah. and then you go into step four mm -hmm. right and we get to learn a whole bunch about yeah. ourselves you know what <laughs> I mean? so and it's like oh that's what step three is all about <laughs> and 
for me, step, you know, when I really felt like I actually made the decision, because it was easy to say yes in a Starbucks when he said, do you want to go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, cool, I don't want to drink again. Um, <laughs> but, like, when I had to do my fifth step, that, you know, carrying stuff that you just, like, you know, we all have secrets. Every person has secrets or, or you know, fears or guilts or whatever that they're just not, you know, normal people carry that stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah differently than than alcoholics do at least that i do that that stuff was told to me that it'll kill me and i remember like being like i don't really want to tell this guy all this stuff <laughs> you know what i mean like, <laughs> can i omit anything like, right. do, like do, I, do i have to share the verbiage is pretty clear in the book that you can't <laughs> exactly. you know and i think it had to be because i i would have found any loophole I'm great at loopholes. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I don't have to share everything, why can't I just leave this little sliver out? Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, that stuff, I think, in the end is what, like you said, holds you back. Is if you don't get it. For me, I have to get it off my chest, and I have to say everything that's there yep. to get it to get a clean slate to start working on that yep. connection with my higher power. Yep. If I don't get it out, then I'm not willing to look at all the things yeah. that I'm not trusting in something greater than myself that I'll be able to be free of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Without a higher power at yeah. that point, you know, mm -hmm. to the level, to where I had got, where my connection was at, at that time, which could be more than it is today. I don't know. I may have relied on God more at that time in my life than I do right now. I don't, you know, um, it's not like this, it's not like this upward trend that continues to go, you know, like sometimes it's, it's sometimes I'm less connected. It feels like, you know what I mean? And, um, but I know that in that moment, in that moment, I was like, I like it was a. I wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't have a connection with a higher power. Because I remember looking up and saying, you know, you know, please let this be okay. You know what I mean, or something along those lines. Like, you know, like please help me do this. You know, and I, I wouldn't have been able to do it had I not trusted, you know, that higher power. That this man's not going to laugh me out of his office and spread rumors about me and you know all this stuff. You know, all these fears that plagued me as a you know. Um, you know, as a kid growing all this stuff, you know, that fear was so powerful being able to give that over. I wouldn't have done it without a higher power. I wouldn't have. I put so much reliance in that moment on that. And it was no big deal. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was like, you know, the guy, you know, my sponsor was like, yeah, me too. You know, yeah, yeah you know, I hear that a lot. Step yeah, five, yeah, you're not that special. That's exactly. what I hear you say. Yeah. It's all like, <laughs> I really like to feel special. But right. <laughs> you do these things and you're not saying anything. Groundbreaking. You cheated too, but yeah, I cheated worse. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm special, special, you know? Don't you, know? Like, you know what I mean? You get that stuff <laughs> out, and it's like you think it's this big deal, but there's like not. See, how often do you get surprised by hearing something? You know what I mean? When yeah. you're sharing in these rooms, we've all been there. We all are, act very similarly mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways, and it's like you're trying to surprise another alcoholic. I'm going to one up you. It's like, eh, it is what yeah. it is. You know what I mean? We've all heard it. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to James. Um, before, uh, earlier today, I call, I, I haven't heard from him in a little while, so I talked to him and we were talking about kind of this, that giving it over stuff and how, kind of what we were talking about, how sometimes like most of the stuff that I give over has like claw marks in it, right? Like yeah, exactly. I really hold on to it, you know, <laughs> like down to the bone, um, sometimes, but you know, what I find, well, I, sometimes in conversation with friends, like it's so spiritual in between fellowship because like. Like, I gain so much knowledge out of a simple conversation mm -hmm. on the phone with a friend mm -hmm. that's in recovery, and we start talking about something, and then, like, these, poof, revelation. Poof. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, you know, and I realized that I was like, okay, maybe it'd be easier to turn things, you know, it's easier to turn things over, because I tend to forget, and I do the same thing with the ego, and I'm like, I can bear it on, I can, I can handle this, I can get through this, you know. But what usually happens, we're kind of going through the steps in the process of like, okay, when do I end up giving it over? It's pain, yes, but then like, when do I end up finally giving it over? And it's when I go to a meeting, right? Like when I'm in a meeting, you know, and, and I let, because sometimes, man, like this past week I worked for, you know, it's like 72 hours, you know what I mean? I haven't been to a meeting since last week, you know? And, um, you know, sometimes that'll happen and I'll have something and I'll hold on to it the second I go to an AA meeting, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot that I can just, like, give it over. You know what I mean? It, you know, so we had this conversation, and we were both like, we need to go to more meetings. Because, you know, the, the more I go to meetings, the more I hear the solution, the more I hear the struggle. You know what I mean? Also, and the more I, I, I'm reminded, because I am forgetful, and I will revert back to just be, put your shoulder down, put your head down, and bear through it. But I hear a different story at the meetings, and I'm like, oh, man. And it just, even if it's that, just that reminder, you know yeah. what I mean? To be like, I can give it over. I walk out 
like, I, like I walk in and I'm on Pluto, you know, the gravity of like Pluto on me, and I walk out and I'm on the moon. Like, you know, sometimes it's that literal, you know. Um, so yeah, what's your experience with meetings? And the importance of I'm real comfortable here. <laughs> you got the lava lamp going. <laughs> that's ambient setting. No, I agree with the meeting thing. Like I said, that's huge for me too. Like, and I laugh too. I said the ebb and flow. Like I, I tend to know that. Like, I know balance on the way up and on the way down. Like, and then my my work schedule goes crazy and I lose all balance. And then I'm like, okay, I can catch two meetings. I can do this. I can do that. I'm trying to force it in. But I go to those meetings and I'm instantly free. And it's like, I need to do more meetings. And then, like, I cram in a million meetings and I'm burnt out on both ends between work and this. And I'm, like, all over the place, you know? But, like, I need to be in meetings and I know that. I, right now in my busy season, like, I've come to accept, like, I can make it a couple times a week. I need to go. No excuses. And those, like, no excuses. And, but when I'm in those, I need to be there because I forget. I don't know what it is. I forget. And I just can't remember anything. And I have to be there to hear the message. Because if I'm not there to hear the message... I just go back to running. My brain is just so <laughs> hyper-focused. I just go back to running the show, and I have to go in there and listen. Like, oh, look what I have this. I look at this, and I can dig gems, and I can hit them. And it's like I need to hear that stuff, or I instantly just lose it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love meetings, too. The end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> I don't, no, but I love it. Like, I don't know. I've been loving all of this, and it's, it's true, because it's always like, well, why do we keep going meetings after we've gotten better but it's because I need to continue to hear the message I need to continue to be reminded to let go of things like I was just telling you I want to quit my job before this and I was realizing oh I said that like I need to listen to God not like mm -hmm. you know any I idea is a bad idea so just <laughs> sitting here talking with you guys it's helped me at least be like okay I won't quit my job today <laughs> <laughs> I turned it over <laughs> till tomorrow but it, it's like if I'm not in the room and I don't hear that stuff I just instantly revert back to old me not instantly but you know what I mean but my thinking changes slightly you know what I mean where I'm not hearing like me me I'm not saying you like standard operating software I just go back to my original programming and then I sit in the room and I'm just like I could do this better wow like and I hear someone share something I'm like hmm you're right like you know what I mean and I have to hear other people like me share stuff and it's like oh yeah there is an a better life out there like there are I can be free of this stuff I don't have to just like put it in a bag and carry it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can drop the rock and I know I've been, told to, read, the rock. I've been told to read that book a million times I'll tell you what I've got through like six pages and like it's not because it's, it's not it's, <laughs> I was gonna say if you need it it's on my bookshelf oh I've never read it but exactly. I got it and I'm so bad like people say to read it I like I try to hammer through it but it's like it's one of those things where it's like I have to, what works for me is in person, in meetings right here. Mm -hmm. I struggle. Get the connection. Mm -hmm. I struggle with the Zoom meetings. It's just not personally for me. I, yeah. I don't get the same connection as I do when we're sitting in a room yeah. and I'm sitting there and I hear it from someone. And I need that because I need that personal connection and I need that honesty. I had a good time with Zoom meetings. I had what, I, I originally didn't like them. And then I was, uh, wasn't even really because the meetings were closed down. It was because my schedule uh, with work, I was working up in Providence and it was like, I was driving it to, it was just, I, I had no time and I was working these, you know, like, I think like four shifts a week. So I wasn't in any means I needed to, like I was losing my mind. I was like, I need to hit meetings. What helped me, I don't know if this, if you've had this experience with that uh, is I went to like a meeting local to Connecticut. I didn't know anyone, but I kept going to the same one and it was real small. And like, they remember my name. They would greet me when I'd come in and say, Hey, yeah, you know, um, I, I actually got a sponsee out of it. You know what I mean? Like we, and we worked some steps and he's a, a sponsee in like Maryland. You know what I mean? Like never met him face to face. And, you know, we got to work together through some of the steps over the phone and, and over FaceTime and things like that. Um, I had a pretty good, I, I had a pretty good experience at the time, but I agree. Like the fellowship face to face, like I still get so much out of that. Like mm -hmm. so much out of that. As I do when I call you, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like building this network is huge. They told me in the beginning, you know, build a network, start, you know, put your, you know, I heard things like, you know, uh, you want to be in the center of the pack, you know what I mean? The center of the herd. You don't want to be an outlier kind of, you know, show up to meetings early, you know, get coffee commitments, do things like that. And I, early on I had a coffee commitment. It was my favorite commitment because I was early and I, had to, I was there before anyone else. And then I got to see everyone. They'd pickle in 
That, that's not a saying, but I said it. <laughs> you said it with such confidence, I, I believed you. Oh my god, this pickle in. Okay. It's oh amazing god. what comes out of my mouth with a microphone in the middle of it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, but no, I got the experience. Like, people I would have never been comfortable talking to, like the old timers, the 30, 40, 50 year sober guys, would come into the meeting and they'd be there early because, I mean, they, they learned that, you know, and um, they'd talk to me. Right. And I would have been an outlier had I not done those things. And mm-hmm. I'm so grateful I didn't because I was an outlier in AA a few times. Right. Like when I came in those first three, you know, the first year relapsing, boom, 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 boom. I'd show up. I'd sit in the back with like my buddies who were doing the same thing as I was. You know what I mean? We were like snickering, looking, looking at the girls, you know, like, where are we going to go? We go to, you know, the bar, but get soda and smoke cigars. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like go trespass and skateboard and just be, you know, um, and I, we, I, we got, we got, all of us got picked off, man. Like some, you know, two of us made it back. Um, two of us made it back and two of them are still out there. You know what I mean? And that was five years ago. They're still out there five years running. They just, you know, I, it's tough, you know, it's tough because. It's a gift. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's tough. It's amazing that we're sometimes so willing to give it back. Yeah. You know, and it's, um, you say stay in the middle of the pack. Like it's so hard to pick up that phone. And like I said, I feel like sometimes too, like I'm good at staying in the middle of the pack. And then sometimes, like you said, if there's a group of friends or something like that, that we lose communication, or for whatever reason, don't start talking, that my head starts to tell me, "Oh yeah, these people don't like me." They were just being nice. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, but then I run into them when we talk, and it's like it's so not true. It's yeah. like you pick up our real life off. The only thing that gets in between me and another person is my own head. In this Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Do you think that about me? I think that about everybody. <laughs> I love I think, you. I, know. <laughs> I think that about everybody. If there's a time where, like, an extended period of time where we don't talk or something, that my brain goes, hmm. Yeah. And, like, Mine does the same me. thing. I'm like, he's fed up with my with my BS. <laughs> like, I'm doing. Can, like, I can only have a friendship for so long. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> it's always, yeah, that's the, that's the bondage of self, man. Mm-hmm. Like, when that was pointed out to me, by my sponsor, he when we did, you know, when we did the prayers and we went through it, he says, the, relieve me of the bondage of self. And he says, what does that mean? And we broke it down. And now every time I say it, I like, I stop on bondage of self because I think about what I'm asking my higher power to do. Because it's easy to say, relieve me the bondage of self. Then I may better do that well. And then like, like move on with the prayer. But like, we went into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the bondage of self is my ego. It's the self-centeredness. Because that's me thinking I'm self-centered, thinking... You know, Eddie hasn't called me in weeks, you know, <laughs> because I knew I, he just doesn't really like me. And he's got, you know, what, like that is me thinking about me. Like in reality, it's your busy season. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and I can, I can go there with like anybody, yeah. you know what I anyone. mean? I had the um, same thoughts about Eddie yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> like he hates me. He doesn't love me. He's busy at work and right. he doesn't text you back. And I've sent like nine text messages. Yeah, I know. We can be, we're, we're needy people. I know. Oh, he's a needy person when we're not, you know, yeah. on the beam. <laughs> yeah. 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 You didn't tell me you loved me. Yeah, you did. Or yeah, I did. Well, you didn't enough. tell me the right way. Yeah, you know. That is the tone. Yeah. That's right. the tone. <laughs> you didn't show me. You know what I mean? I can be such a baby. <laughs> so it's funny. It's yeah. so true though. It's like yeah, but it's like Roman, like I can instantly get in that thought. Now, we were talking about the other day too, because you were saying something like I can instantly feel like I'm crazy and nobody wants to talk to me. And it's like after I like drop that and I pick up the phone mm-hmm. and I talk to someone, I'm like, oh, I feel better. And Absolutely. like oh yeah, and it's it's not true at all. Everything's so fabricated because my disease wants me alone to drink and to die. Absolutely. Dead with a drink in my hand. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I that close? <laughs> <laughs> no. It's good. Hers was better. Better. That's true. <laughs> she polished it. I, like it. <laughs> I keep forgetting how important it is to pick up the phone. Like I've been in the bondage of self the last few weeks. I'm like, oh, I'm getting up and I'm doing my morning routine, yeah. and I'm reading and praying, but then I'm not calling people. I'm not connecting yeah. in that way, and it's it's so important to do that. I'm glad we're talking about this. You know, so for the next two weeks, I can call people and then fall off again it happens to me (laughs) in the daily like some like there's never i don't think there's yet been a day that has been that i haven't thought about myself Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a pretty big fan of me. I, exactly. You know what I mean? I am. I'm pretty yeah. special. I, I, I think about yeah. myself all the time, and I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I've ever had a day where the thought of me hasn't come in at least once, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and then, you know, 
the times in the day, depending on I can have a great day meeting with sponsees, going to, you know, conventions, you know, helping people and thinking, but you know what I mean? But I'm wired like that, man. Like I, I, it's a practice. Like I have to practice not thinking about myself. Like mm-hmm. you were talking about connecting with other people. How are you doing today? Mm-hmm. You know how many phone calls I used to make to my friends? My friends were this, like, Hey, you'll never believe what happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sad. Or I'm angry. Screw this guy. You know what I mean? It was like, it was just all me, 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 me. And they got like, they like lost their job and like, who cares what's going on in their life? You got to hear what happened to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't know how to be a friend. Tail. I didn't know how to be a friend before. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, we've talked about like so much because I learned that alcoholism coming in, I came in just not wanting to drink and not knowing that like so many other things were, were like, were freaking killing me. You know yeah. what I mean? They were, you, you know, all this stuff. And, um, I just wanted to not drink, and then I found out there's so much more to this program, and it's so much more that's leading me to a bottle. Yeah, I'm fine when I don't drink. <laughs> we, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 I stop drinking, I'm fine. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. I don't need to change anything about anything I do. Right. And it's not true. Like it's so many, like you were saying. It's just so many things that like are tying me down. Yeah. That if I don't like focus on them and I like we work through this program and I work through the steps and I free myself of those things how much better and more connected I can be but yeah and how much you know I can be <clears throat> I, I became a father in in you guys know in in recovery I, um, and I remember sitting you know it's my, my first daughter my oldest daughter I should say was um, sitting on the couch and she was like I don't know six months old and I'm looking at Luna and I'm looking mm-hmm. at her and she's looking at me and she's just smiling, you know, doing the six month old baby bubbles and blowing spit. Um, and I'm there by myself and there all day with her. Steph, I think, was still working at the time. And the thought came across my head and I realized I was like, it just hit me. I was like, if I were drinking, this little baby would be a problem for me. Like, this wouldn't be this gift that is amazing and the best thing that's ever happened to me. This little baby, because I, I know myself, like, I, I never had kids while drinking you know what I mean I was they've never seen me drink but like I know myself and I've had other situations in my life where like you know I had a a son who was stillborn and I was drinking and in the hospital I rushed that girl and me out of the hospital and and I left her at her apartment catatonic depressed like see you later gotta go because I needed to drink you know what I mean so I know what I'm capable of when I'm drinking Mm -hmm. because alcohol makes all the decisions it, yeah. it, it changes you know i you know and then i have to drink harder to get rid of that guilt too but it's like it, you know it's insane and i'm looking at my six month old at the time and i'm thinking to myself you'd be a problem and I, and I started kind of thinking about how my life would look if i drank it what it would be is i'd never want to see her i'd never i want to see her for like in passing oh yeah that's my baby and show everyone pictures look how good i am you know what i mean um i love her so much while i'm out like every night of the week getting plastered while my wife's home you know like doing everything you know what i mean And i'm spending all our money and all this like that's how i know it would go like i know it would go that way and i just i almost broke down in tears because i thought like i'm so grateful that i'm not and then i was scared because i was like if i ever go back you know that's what's going to happen. You know, that's what's going to happen. So it, it's um, it's amazing. That's more than just not drinking to me. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. th- that to me obviously is not drinking, but also, I mean, it's given me this life, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's given me, it's given me the ability to like care about other people, mm-hmm. which just, it was never the case, man. It was just, I'd say I would, but it was always disguise some selfish you know control exactly <laughs> how are you going to make me feel good yeah. you know what i mean that's why i love you because you make me feel good mm-hmm. not because i care about you and i want you to do well and i want you know it's um, very self-serving that's how yeah. that be it's very what is it going to do for me in the mm-hmm. long run mm-hmm. but make you feel good or if something goes on how does it fill my cup doesn't really, i'm not really trying to do anything for you i'm just trying to self-seek and get what i need out of the thing absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. it was every relationship in my yeah. life friendship hostage situation with the women that I get in. You know? It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
was just talking when Eddie and I were out on a walk on Sunday and it, I kind of went through the same thing where I'm like, it's just so insane. Like I was dying, you know, two years ago or whatever it was. Like I was literally, the cops came to the house multiple times. And like, that wasn't even the first time they'd come to the house before. It was just multiple times in one day that day. And like, I just couldn't stop drinking. And like the life we have now, I'm like, we're happy. We have like a home and like, it's just crazy to think like, the gifts of the program. Yeah, but like, and if I pick up a drink, like it's gone. Like it's, you know, for me it's so quick, like hospital, jail, like, cause then you're, you're a problem. You're in my way. I was constantly trying to get you out of the house cause you're in my way. I want to drink, I want to drink. And yeah, like, I don't know. And today, like, I want you around. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, I can talk to people. Like before <laughs> I used to be very timid and I would like hide behind Eddie cause I just didn't have a personality. But now I can talk with you and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Things. Absolutely. Like, I, I can't know. believe your sponsor said the set is over. I've heard that like four times. I have in the past it written month. in my book. The one that's falling apart. It's <laughs> good. What's the saying? The someone with a big book that's falling apart's life usually isn't. Oh yeah, Ooh. I like that. Yeah. 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 It's I got good. a new one. <laughs> 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 ruffle by pages. Somewhere. I go, oh, look, me too. <laughs> I'm the worst. I have like four. I have like one in my truck. I have like the mini one. Yeah, oh, I love that one. Yeah. That, yeah. I used to carry that with me in my back pocket. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's great. You know, it's just the gifts of the program. I said, it's so nice things. We even got to hear some of, like, what your life's like now, which has been huge, too. It seems like life yeah. is pretty good now. It's, it's funny. I lose perspective, right? Like, and that's another reason, going back to how important the meetings are, <clears throat> is... I can get hyper-focused on little situations in my life, right, um, that I go through and problems that come up in life on life's terms and things like that, right, like which happens, you know what I mean? Like there's been deaths, uh, you know, family members close to me have passed away, there's been births of my, the births of my children, you know what I mean? There's been happy and sad and, and resentments and all this stuff. But I like over the years I've lost, you know, it's easy for me to lose you know, I, I don't want to say this. I get into a place, like, more recently I was in a place where I was like, I haven't grown at all. I was like, I've just not grown at all. And I was just in my head just thinking, I must not be doing enough, and I'm just this and that. And I went to a meeting, and it was like a young person's meeting, and I heard some of the chaos going on in these in these kids' lives in their first year of recovery um, and just coming in and what their lives were like. And I... I realized that, man, like I was losing perspective. I wasn't around enough newcomers because I was losing perspective of how different my life is today. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I am terrified to be, you know, I'm terrified to ever think that I got this, you know, because there was a time in my life where I had a couple years sober in my early 20s and I got this, you know what I mean? And I would quote it like scripture, you know what I mean? And I would go to all the conventions and I got this. But what happened was is I had that and I, you know, I was that guy, but then inside I was struggling and I couldn't, my ego wouldn't let other people see that because then they'd think that, like Christina said, we struggle the exact same way. I bet we went out the same way because I wouldn't tell a damn person that I was thinking about drinking. I, not me, no, I'm the this and I've got this commitment and that and oh my God, you know, and everyone's giving me all these compliments about my share and asking me to share my share. And come shocked when you drink. <laughs> right. Well, no, I just disappeared, man. Like, I wasn't going to let him see me. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not an unwelcomed hanger on. I'm the guy. I'm not that guy. I'm the guy who like I, I the guilt and shame. Like I'm out. I don't mm -hmm. want you to see me like this, you know. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I lose perspective of that and coming in, you know, um, I had never heard it until this time sober. Like the way that I've gone through these steps is so different than the first time I went through the 12 steps and got sober. The first time I went through, like I said, it was like I got that spiritual experience. It was a very, um, like, Bill W., white, white light, York peppermint patty experience. You know what I mean? After my fifth step, and I was floating on air, and it was real. Like, to this day, I believe that I had that. I know I had a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. And I know that, it, but I think along the lines, I, I, I stagnated. And my ego and fear took over, and I wasn't willing to give that fear over, and I just put that mask back on. It was just a different mask. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't the punk skateboarder mask or the or the good student mask. It was the best at AA mask. Mm -hmm. and, and eventually I drank. I stayed out for like seven years before I came in. Almost dead when I came back in, you know what I mean? And this time, 
you know, it's the only way I knew to do AA was to do it that way. That like very, I don't know how to say it other than ego driven way that I was doing it. So when I came in now, you know, or this, this, this time coming in and I heard things like pray for a slow recovery, which I'd never heard before. Like, I'm so grateful for that because I've had this educational variety of a spiritual experience where like, Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful for that because like, I still like, I'm still looking at struggles that I'm having today. You know what I mean? Whereas, and I can talk about that in meetings. I talk about that with you guys and talk about it on a podcast Mm -hmm. because like, I'm not like, I don't like the fear of like that not being good enough stuff is less than enough to where I, I know that I'm not perfect. And I, and I, I don't know, I'm not wearing that mask. I try, at least not today. I'm not trying to wear that mask and say that I'm somebody I'm not like I have struggles and it's okay. And it took guys with 20 years in the meetings that I went to and you know, it kind of empowered me and still empowers me today when I see those guys 15, 20 years and they say, you know, I remember, you know, a good friend of mine is 15 years sober and he said this, uh, you know, I was, I thought about using heroin today. You know what I mean? I was in the, I was work at work and, and this was a couple of years ago. He said this in a meeting and it was in the, and it like, I remember it like shook me off my chair and I was like, how can he say that? And I realized, wow, why shouldn't he say that? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it, I, these guys that were so honest and I, and I started surrounding myself with those guys and one of them became my sponsor and started sponsoring me that way. Well, realizing it's like, you know, I don't got to come to a meeting and just shine up and just say how great my life is and how perfect I am. That's what I would do and how much I know about this stuff. Like sometimes it's more beneficial to the newcomer for someone with time, with actual time, you know, that's been able to stay sober and have a pretty good life to be like, you know, I'm, I'm really not ready to give up this resentment or I'm really not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really scared and I'm not ready to give this fear over or, I'm thinking about drinking today. You know what I mean? I was really getting thirsty today. Like to hear someone with time say that gives me the ability as the new guy to say, it's okay for me to say that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that was, I think that was my higher power working in my life to put those people around me because people were probably saying that when I first came in uh, back in New York, but the people I was kind of hanging out with or whatever, my ego probably only heard that as, they're not doing it right. Yeah. They must be bad AAs. Mm-hmm. They don't know what I know. You know, um, in reality, they knew what I didn't. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and I need that level of honesty. That level of honesty is what saves you. Because I think it's not, sobriety isn't always easy. Mm-hmm. No. And there's days that are tough. And there's days where you think about a drink or stuff like that. But I mean, the point is like, we could share about it and I know what to do. And I know that sharing and being honest is what's huge. Like the honest, like when people get really, really honest and share what's going on, is what I hear the most and what I relate to the most. Because like you said, it's so empowering when people say it. I'm like, mm, I feel you. You know what I mean? I hear you. And like, I understand where you're coming from. And it makes me feel like it's okay to say those things too. Yeah. And that's when I feel like if I start letting people in, that's when the message really sinks and I really start to get the cure of, well, not a cure, cure <laughs> but I start getting, I'm able to get... say that. Exactly. <laughs> I know, but I'm able to really start feeling it you know what yeah. I mean and it's able to deal with all of these things mm-hmm. yeah. well, this was excellent thank yeah. you so much I had for coming a, on a lot of fun it was cool <laughs> thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for joining this us this is the first time I didn't dread because it's like oh I know Alex <laughs> <laughs> right on right on um but yeah oh so again if you're interested in getting involved in service or even helping out with the podcast or going to a meeting you can go to ccti-aa.org um, and let's end with the serenity prayer. God. 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 Grant, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. difference.